Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. So today I realized that I said in my description of this podcast, I said that one of my unpopular opinions includes that physical touch may be the most important love language, but then I never even did a podcast on that, even though I have done a post on it. But I wanted to talk about why physical touch may be, in fact, the most important love language according to me. And um, so... You know, there are five love languages, which everybody who listens to this or who is a sentient, non-comatose being in the world today knows there are five love languages. They are gifts, which no one ever admits to liking, um, but everybody, uh, not everybody, women, <laughs> women like gifts. I mean, like, it's kind of socialized to like gifts, flowers, that kind of thing. Not every woman, but, you know, not um Every man doesn't like gifts. Like, a lot of people like gifts, but most people don't say that's their number one. Um, quality time, which means hanging out with each other, doing shit together. Uh, acts of service, which always the example is getting somebody's oil changed in their car. Of course, that's, like, really infrequent, so it should be something like cooking dinner, which happens all the time. You know, but anything like that. Then there's physical touch, and then there's words of affirmation. So words of affirmation means saying nice things like you are so handsome and, you know, whatever else. So, um, or to the woman, you know, you're the best mom and like all of these kinds of things. So those are the five love languages. Hopefully I got all of them. Um, I'm trying to really quick remember if I just said five or four. Yes, I got them. So, all right, cool. So, anyway, those are all good. And uh, women frequently have the words of affirmation one. And men frequently have the physical touch one. But some women have the physical touch one. So, as I say a lot, a third of the couples that I talk to, the woman wants more sex than the man. And now, if you're saying, well, I thought you meant physical touch is any touch, not just sex. Well, yeah, you're right. Like, it is any touch. But the people who really like hugs and kisses usually like sex. So, I mean, this is one construct, really. So... I am a physical touch love language person, as I'm sure is evident from the fact that I can deeply understand the people who have physical touch as a love language. And speaking as a physical touch love language person and a woman, I mean, it's really hard to feel like you are in an intimate relationship if you have this love language when there is no touch going on. Like, women don't say, I barely even feel married because he didn't get me flowers, if their love language is gifts. They don't really even say, I barely feel married because he doesn't tell me I'm beautiful. They may say, my husband is an 
asshole because he doesn't tell me that I'm beautiful. Um, but that is a really good point. You know, he is. I agree. But um, it, it is really hard for somebody with a physical touch love language to feel even married or even like you are not just like coexisting like roommates if you do not touch and if you don't have sex. And it is really difficult to keep any momentum going for the physical touch partner to do any of the other love languages because you literally don't even feel like you're in a relationship, you know, and it, it's it's kind of like, and the physical touch, by the way, transcends everything. So um, for me, for example, I really wanted to spend a lot of physical time touching my kids when they were little, you know, cuddling with them and holding them. And it wasn't, uh, and that really informed, quite honestly, a lot of my decision to be part-time when I had really little kids is I physically didn't want to be away from them, you know, because to me, when I'm like thinking about it in retrospect now, because they are now 12, 10, and 8, they don't do quite as much cuddling, although the younger two have the same love language, they do more cuddling, um, maybe than average, but either way, I realized that that physical touch made it feel like when I wasn't touching them, it was almost like uh, painful, you know, and I think that, and I've made this analogy before, maybe not as explicitly, but I think that the way that women feel about their kids needs, is kind of really analogous to the way that men feel about women uh, in marriages, at least, that work or in marriages where people are allowed to say non-politically correct things because women love their kids super unconditionally, usually, and... Uh, if a relationship's going to work out between a man and a woman, it seems like the man has to love the woman in that way. And I could write a whole post on that or another blog, another podcast rather, because I frequently do explicitly make the analogy that if your house was on fire, the woman, like, let's say like you're all in there and it's a fire, right? So let's say the wife and mother got out first. She's going back in for her kids. If her kids are out, I mean, <laughs> you know, like she loves you, husband, but the odds of her going back back in risking her life and leaving her kids motherless because you couldn't get your ass out is really low however as a man I know very few men who after getting their kids out would not go back in for their wives and this is um, a really big difference and some wives may not even want the man to do that because then the kid would be left fatherless in this horrible morbid hypothetical scenario you know but the man would do it if he loves his wife, he would go back because men have, in a best case scenario, a protective instinct that is a really big parallel to how women feel about the kids. So when I felt like I had to just hug and touch my kids and I was like, how in the world could I ever go back to work full time? Oh, my God, that would be so horrible. Um, and. That is a lot like how a man would feel when he's told that he cannot, would not be able to touch his female partner for like an extended amount of time. 
And to a lesser degree, I feel that way about um, a male partner, about a husband. If we do not touch and we don't connect for like a day, then that would be like really strange and would make me feel pretty disconnected. And so I, being a woman, am in a privileged position, privilege, big catchword now. So I'm in a privileged position because it would not be hard for me as a female to find a man that wants to touch all the time, right? Because men frequently have that love language. Now, men are not in such a privileged position. So they have to kind of, there is harder for young men on the dating marketplace than it is for young women, although post-divorce, it evens out. Then men are really the catch. Um, but anyhow, so a man has to deal with a woman's libido dropping precipitously in monogamy, and she may not have been as into touch at the beginning as him either. So then once it drops, then he's really in a desert, and he can't just say... Um, I need a hug or I need to have sex with you because the woman may look at him with the sort of disgust that, um, you know, is usually reserved for some sort of primordial ooze and she's not going to do it and she's not going to feel like she has to do it in a way that a man like okay so when I talk to men within uh, couples counseling where their wife wants more sex than them this is like a problem we know it's a problem all three of us are on the same page she should not be begging him for sex that's bad. We all know it. And some men will say that they can't because um, they can't have sex because some other thing in the marriage is bad. This usually means there are uh, is a low sex drive problem, by the way, because usually men can uh, they don't really care as much if there's a problem in the marriage. They could still have sex. So but either way, all three of us know that it does not make sense that a woman is begging for sex and not getting it. And a lot of the reason that all three of us know that in the room, me as a couples counselor and them, the couple is because the woman could just go out on the street with a sign that says, you know, have sex with me and like 40 men would rush up in the first 30 seconds. So um, it's kind of like understood on a practical level that this woman is in like a shitty situation that she doesn't have to be in. Whereas in the inverse, most men that go out with a t-shirt that says have sex with me, women are going to look at them with revulsion. You know, so it, things are not equal in that domain. And so, A, things are not equal in that domain for men, but why do I feel that physical touch is the most important love language besides saying that it really makes the person with that love language feel that they are not even in a relationship? Because it's the only one you can get from anyone else. Within monogamy, you can get your words of affirmation tank filled up at work by your friends, by your kids. You could get gifts. You can even buy the damn gifts for yourself, but other people can buy you gifts. You know, your parents, your siblings, your friends, whatever. You know, Secret Santa, that's a thing. There is not a secret Santa of sex. Like, that would make work parties certainly a lot better. But there is no such thing where everybody just picks a name out of a hat and goes, screws that person in the closet. So there is no way for you to get your physical touch. Oh, an act of service. You could hire somebody to do acts of service, and it isn't a prostitute, which is what you would have to hire to get your uh, physical touch need met if you wanted to. So the only one that you can't get met by somebody else, quality time goes without saying, that's your kids, your friends, whatever, is sex. 
really for men it's physical touch of any sort men are not like snuggling with each other the way that like female friends will cuddle up on the couch and watch a show or give each other a hug when they see each other men barely touch each other so for most men that don't have tiny little kids they cannot get their physical touch non-sexual need met never mind their sexual need met if they get their sexual need met outside marriage they are now a monster an unfaithful monster so men are screwed in that way because this is the only love language that they cannot get met and of course women they can make be able to get the non-sexual touch met but if they're trying to be faithful and monogamous and the guy won't have sex with you what are you going to do you can't just cheat you shouldn't just cheat but you can't get him to have sex with you. So this is the only one where one partner not liking something means that the other partner, they cannot have that thing in any way. So this is not nice. And this is not uh, ethical really at all because it's very imbalanced. So one person, it's like when I talk about the no kissing. If one partner decides not to kiss anymore, and I have a podcast about kissing, the other partner has to go to their grave never kissing another person. This is not fair. That is not a life that I would recommend. You know, I mean, that is not ethical. That's not fair. That is not why um, you were placed on this earth to never kiss anybody again. So that would have to be a situation where you say, well, that doesn't work for me, you know, and people that would say, uh, oh, my God, like, would you like really recommend ending a relationship over somebody not kissing you? Yeah, you know, I would like I think that that is something that. I mean, I would most certainly end a relationship where somebody refused to kiss me. Again, I have the, quote, privilege of being a woman and knowing that I could next find somebody who would kiss me and that all of the world would concur that it was a terrible sin that my husband not kiss me. But that does not happen in the inverse as much as it should. You know, um, first of all, men don't even talk much about things that go on internally in their marriages as much as women do, so they don't get that social support. But also, people just really tend in today's day to diminish men's needs for sex or for uh, affection or for intimacy. You know, I think that things went very far in the opposite direction from, yes, there was a time where men got more of their needs met than women. I don't think we're there anymore. I think now it's the inverse, um, at least among a lot of the upper middle class couples that I work with. So what I think is that if this resonated with you, that it should really spark some deep internal work about why you are staying in a relationship where you don't get any of your needs met physically and you're not allowed to go get them met anywhere else. Um, it's not, that is not a fair situation. Now I have about 1 million podcasts and blog posts about how to be a person that is just better in every way toward your partner in terms of communication, empathy, validation, meeting their needs, understanding their perspective, um, real concrete evidence for evidence, uh, ways for men to be more romantic. I have all of these things. So I'm not saying that somebody shouldn't be trying to be the best person they could be, but if they are trying, Trying, and the other person just diminishes their need for physical affection or touch, or that's just considered to not be real or really important or serious, then this is really a, a losing proposition for long-term happiness because you are in a no-win situation.
So if you are in a no-win situation, you're going to, over time, be consumed with resentment, bitterness, and just you're going to start doing weird passive-aggressive shit to your spouse. And like this is not a world that you want to live in. I wouldn't live in it. And all of the men that deny their the, the reality of their own deep need for physical intimacy, by the way, they would all be so... Um, flabbergasted and angered by a woman in their exact situation. That's like the funniest thing. When I talk to people, you talk to men, they're miserable. They're not getting their needs met at all. And, and, and they're like, well, you know what? I guess it is what it is and blah, blah. This is always men with low self-esteem that will put up with this, by the way. But um, uh, they'll say, well, I guess it is what it is. You know, there's there's really no changing her. And, you know, maybe I'm really not even that good of a partner. Then I'll be like, oh, what would you tell a woman who was in your situation that was begging for physical touch and not getting it, that was begging to be kissed by her husband and to be sexually satisfied by her husband and wasn't getting it? They'll be like, oh, my God, that poor woman. That woman's in such a terrible situation. Why would that woman consent to being treated like that? I wish I could treat that woman better. <laughs> it's like, where is kind of the self-esteem and the pride that you need? I mean, obviously, it comes from having not such a great upbringing. But, you know, that is what I say all the time. You know, self-esteem is rooted in upbringing. So usually men um, and women that will continue to stay in a relationship where their sexual needs are never being met they are used to not getting their needs met because that's all they ever knew. They grew up in a situation likely raised by a self-absorbed parent, uh, not that person's fault, that parent had their own shit going on, but um, raised in a situation where their needs were never addressed or met, they were never empathized with or validated in any way for having needs or being a normal needing person, and therefore they, uh, they stay in a marriage where they don't get their needs met. I mean, it's pretty simple and sad. So in this case where this resonates with you and my explanation resonates with you, if you think deeply, then therapy, uh, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but therapy can be very transformative in allowing people to finally access their own self-worth and their needs and to express and verbalize even just to themselves that they are a person worthy of affection, love, intimacy, and connection, just as anybody else is. And for a lower libido partner that's listening to this podcast, or if a your higher libido partner shared it with you, really try to use this as sparking some new, deeper uh, level of understanding on your end for a person in this no-win situation and how it feels for a person who has a physical touch love language to be denied that feels like you're not even a, in a relationship, like as though you're a mother of a baby, but you're never allowed to touch the baby. The baby's behind glass, never allowed to touch her. How many mothers would would feel frantic and insane in that situation? It sounds like something out of The Handmaid's Tale. It sounds horrible to even discuss, but that is how 
a man feels when he's not allowed access to his wife or a woman who's not allowed access to her husband because she's in the one-third of women with the higher libido. Also, I tell this to my clients, but if you really want to know how people feel in this, in, in this situation and you don't, or if you just want social support for it, uh, the Reddit forum Dead Bedrooms uh, is filled with people who are in this situation. If you read enough of these stories, you're going to see a lot of patterns um, and you may understand on a deeper level what people People go through when they are in this situation where they have this love language, but it's consistently denied. And you're also going to see, if you look with a psychological eye, how many of these people have very, very low self-esteem and self-worth that really predates the marriage, although they may not recognize that. They may root it in the rejection in the marriage, but it usually predates that. And they just can't see a way out because they don't really think that they're worth more, which is very sad. So um, anyhow, thanks for listening, guys. Please like and rate and subscribe to my podcast. I just made a paid subscribers-only episode yesterday about uh, how to find a fulfilling life, um, how to see if your life is deeply fulfilling or not. And I talked through some brief principles of acceptance and commitment therapy, uh, which in my style is not very uh, difficult to comprehend. I made it super basic and easy to digest. And also follow me on Instagram if you don't. It's doctor.psychmom. And I just did an Instagram live this morning about why not to let your kids treat you like shit. But I couldn't say shit. I didn't want to be censored. Um, So I said garbage. So anyhow, thanks guys and have a great day. Bye-bye.